Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. The fadeaway with a hand in his face in the air for the win! Yes, sir! Darn it! Gets Minnesota the win at Target Center! Towns rebound, lets it fly, and Carl Anthony Towns drills it at the buzzer! A catastrophic finish for the Grizzlies! Welcome to the Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. You're home for the best Wolves talk around. Wiggins spots up there, deep three, he's got it! He scores it at the buzzer to give the Timberwolves the victory! Welcome in to another Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. My name is Gabe Anderson, and I am joined, as always, by Jared Good. Jared, how are we doing? We're doing good. It's uh, it's fun to talk on a podcast night after the uh, Timberwolves win by about 50. Well, it was only about 30, but they were up by 50 at one point, I think. So that was kind of fun. They were. <laughs> they just slacked the magic, but it's still the magic. So nothing too exciting. Yeah. Uh, it would have... That that win would have sounded a little more exciting earlier in the season, back when they had back. I guess back before the trade deadline, it might have sounded a little more exciting. But still, and we'll talk about that in a minute. And we're also joined by Chris Emerson. Chris, how we doing? Doing well, doing well. Um, awesome. Timberwolves are uh, progressing nicely. Let's just keep it moving into the off season. Absolutely. And let's let's start with what uh, Jared mentioned at first. Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, we're recording this on a Sunday, so they just really put a beating on the uh, on the Orla- on the woeful o- Orlando Magic, who, to their credit, have won a couple games lately. I think they beat uh, the Pistons and they beat uh, a little bit ago. They beat the Grizzlies somehow. I don't know how that happened, but um, – but the Wolves do get the win tonight, 128 to 96. And really, I know that sounds like a 30-point win, but it really wasn't even that close. I mean, the Wolves had control throughout the duration. And Jared, it was just nice to just destroy somebody from the beginning to the end, wasn't it? It, it was It was really nice to just run out of the gates and just, just absolutely destroy somebody. Uh, <laughs> One thing that that I that I do want to talk about on the Magic side of the ball is Mo Bamba's been getting a lot of run for them uh, recently, and it's been kind of a long wait to see him get some run. He's actually had a pretty good week. I mean, he didn't do squat against us, but um, it was still kind of fun to to see him get a little bit of run finally after I think he's been in the league what now two or three years without getting much. So mm-hmm. good to see him finally get a shot for on the Magic side. But yeah, it was fun to it was fun to kill him tonight and. Uh, yeah, I mean it was it was over before it started for the most part. Yeah, I think they had a in the in the second quarter, I believe they had a 37 point lead or no, 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 second half, they had a 37 point lead. I think it got pushed all the way to 40 at one point. And uh and by the way, um I don't know if I'm the only one, but it's hard for me whenever I see Mo Bamba on the court to not think of that Check West song. But that that's just me. Uh so Really, what I want to say is for tonight's game, the Timberwolves 
they looked really like, and I know they were playing the magic. It looked like a blueprint for next season. It, it kind of did. Because you had Anthony Edwards, 16 points, 10 rebounds. Carl Anthony Towns, 27 and 9. And D'Angelo Russell hitting threes, 27 and 6. Uh, Chris, what do you think of tonight's game? And did it not look like, like uh, give us hope for the future? Yeah, I mean, I would love to play Orlando for an entire season. <laughs> like, you give me that record, you give me that, and we're going to be, you know, we're going to set some records. Um, yeah, I mean, it was good. It was good to see. And, and more importantly, it's good to see a team that's been competing um, go up against a lesser quality team and destroy them. You know, mm -hmm. like, that's what you're supposed to do. If we're going to be a team that's a playoff team and Again, we've said from the beginning that we're about a 500. We should have been about a 500 team this year, and we're holding out about that when everybody's close to healthy, um, except for Beasley, obviously. Um, yeah, when you play a team like Orlando, who is you know playing all these young guys, 10-day contract guys, um, you should destroy them, and that's what we did. We're better. We're a better team, top to bottom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's like. Um, it's like I, 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 I sent a chat to you guys earlier today and I was because, you know, we, you got to talk about with the Timberwolves right now with the um, potential of tanking. And I know we've talked about that on the show. And I, I basically I, I sent a chat to you guys saying I, I've, I've run it down a million times in my head. I don't think unless you sit Towns, Russell and Edwards, I don't think there's any way we lose this game tonight. <laughs> right. <laughs> And now we have went to 45. Yeah. Yeah. Like we could have, we could have beat him with Nas. And well, if we had McDaniel, if we had Jaden, it would have been fun to watch a, a squad like that. Like just let Nas and Jaden and uh, maybe Noel, like, you know, let those guys just play big minutes. Mm -hmm. do, well, do, you think, do you think Vanderbilt could have got double digits <laughs> if they just gave him a ton of run? Oh, for sure. He could, I mean, not, he would have had a Zion Williamson type uh, shot chart, but he could have. <laughs> One thing that I thought was kind of interesting, just looking back at our schedule, and this isn't the most interesting thing in the world because the NBA plays at a lot faster of a pace and the Timberwolves themselves play at a lot faster of a pace, but we've scored over 100 points in every single game since April 13th. I mean, that's a pretty, that's mm -hmm. a pretty, pretty, pretty strong run of good offensive basketball. I mean, we also give up a ton of points normally too. So, I mean, a lot of that has to do with pace of play, but I think it also has to do with um, the offense kind of molding a little bit around Finch as well. Which I agree. Is really nice to see. I agree. I think, and, oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Chris. I think I saw our efficiency in the, probably in about that same stretch of time. Our offensive efficiency is like eighth in the NBA right now. Like for, you know, the last 15 games or whatever it is, a decent sample size. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so something I was going to say about Jared's uh, point about scoring 100 points, um, it, it's been nice to score 100 points and be in these games. Like, there's been a lot of times this season when, like, I don't know, let's say against the Clippers or something, they'll go be up like 128 to like 80, and then we go on a run at the end because they're – because their like second squad is out there and the score looks better. Kind of like what the Magic did a little bit tonight um, right. with getting it a little closer tonight. But and also to to his point about um, 
like giving up a lot of points. I mean, we knew that going in, right? We knew that the Timberwolves were going to score, like kind of like the Mavericks of the mid 2000s, right? They were always that team that would score 140 points and give up 139. So, I mean, we kind of knew that going in, but yeah, it's it's definitely been nice to see this nice run here. And uh, let, let's go to the next game, uh, this interesting game this week uh, that got a little chippy, the Miami Heat game. Um, and uh, I, I know, I know, uh, Chris in particular has some strong opinions about Jimmy Jimmy Butler. Um, and uh, so there there was a little there was a little back and forth talk between Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns. Um, basically Jimmy Butler calling Towns weak and saying that I played you already. And uh, I forget his quote. I'm trying to find his quote. Um, soft as baby shit. You're, you're as soft as baby poop, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So, uh, but then in the, uh, in the post game, in the post game comments, Ant basically defended Carl Anthony Towns saying that it was a, gr- uh, a grown ass man conversation and that if there wasn't that rivalry, then then there's no competition. But uh, so, Chris, I, I know you've talked about Jimmy Butler before, but your thoughts on the heat back and forth between Butler and Towns and um, obviously with their history and uh, and Ant's comments as well. I mean, I liked I liked when uh, I, I think it was his best. All the baby poop stuff is what uh, is getting all the press because you heard mm-hmm. that pretty loud and clear. But what you didn't hear too loud, unless you listen close, was Cat, what he said back. And all he kept saying back to him was, why don't you call Rachel Nichols? Why don't you call Rachel Nichols? <laughs> because so, when the big like showdown with Butler and the bench squad versus Cat and Wiggins and the starters happened, uh, Butler happened to have a Rachel Nichols um, interview later that evening that he just happened to show up at practice that day and happened to put on this big show right before this national interview. Like, come on, dude. It's all a game. It's mm-hmm. all an act. It's all him building his brand. Like, whatever. Like, it's weird because you didn't hear any of this chirping when we beat them the last four times in a row, like when the mm-hmm. Wolves beat the Heat. But now that, you know, they get a win, he's tough guy bringing up this old past, man. Whatever. Like, I don't even – it's not even worth my time. Mm -hmm. And, Jared, anything to add on that? Well, that's just it. You know why he's been so quiet all year is because we've been beating that ass all year long. So, I mean, he he kind of uh, finally got a chance to talk, and he did. Whatever. I mean, I'm glad he's gone. Uh, Miami is in the play-in tournament. Whoop-de-doo, you know, like – do you, my man? I mean, if that's if that's what you're proud of this this year, go for it. We're a, a completely injured team who's going to be a top five seed next year, so you can choke on that next year. Is what I got to say. Go ahead, Chris. Jimmy Butler, by the way, is shooting twenty percent from three this year. Like actual statistics, twenty percent. Like Jared Culver is a is a noticeably better three point shooter than Jimmy <laughs> Butler. <laughs> like real numbers. Like this isn't even opinion. Like what's this guy's trying to talk, man? Like he gets bailed out by the refs the whole game long and acts like he's a superstar. Like whatever. Like keep it moving. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's fine. But but what was really important in this game, in my mind, like to get off the 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 crap talk stuff was 
couple of things that's really been interesting to me the last couple of weeks is what are we going to do with, with Vanderbilt? Like the way that Finch can dial some of these, um, you know, really like, like low level or mid level role players and get them in the exact positions they need to be to like milk all the possible like benefit from them. Jared Vanderbilt has been playing very important basketball for the Timberwolves these last week, week and a half. Like he's, there was a time that he was, you know, everybody's, everyone loved him. And then there was a time when he was absolutely trash and he's back kind of in that, like, what would we do without him kind of range? Um, so that is something that's been interesting. Another, and same with like Wancho and even Okogi, but Okogi can go in my mind, but um, Wancho, he's finding the right niche for him. So that was something I think that's been important. And uh, it's really been interesting these last couple of games, even when Ricky's in there or when Delo's in there with uh, Edwards, Edwards is bringing the ball up almost every time, which is kind of interesting. So he's initiating offense almost every time. And I don't know if that's, or at least when I'm noticing, I'm noticing it a lot. I don't know if that's just teaching him how to do that and how to just get more ball handling skills and more playmaking skills, which is something I love to see at this point, like training basically, or maybe, um, I don't know, or maybe, maybe that's just something we're going to have, we're going to have, like let him get it started and deal a playoff ball. Just some interesting things. I, I think one thing that's really interesting about Vanderbilt, and, and this is probably five or six podcasts ago now, where we talked about how he could future, his future with the team could be off the bench and be in that energizer bunny, you know, the dude that just plays defense and plays hard. He had five steals, which I believe were all in the first half in this game, um, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and he also had two blocks. So, I mean, that is what you're going to get out of Vanderbilt. For for a team that doesn't play much defense, like being a Wolves fan and seeing that from anybody, I don't care who it is, like you're, you're going to notice it because we don't play defense. So seeing something mm-hmm. like that um, just goes really, really far for a hustle-type player is what I would call Jared Vanderbilt at this point. I don't think he's the most skilled guy in the world, but mm-hmm. I don't think he has to be looking at his future with the team. Yeah, and I think that – and yes, Jared Vanderbilt hustles a lot, but I think like you were talking about, Jared, it sticks out a lot more on a team that doesn't play a lot of defense. So you you notice it a lot more like, oh, look at Jared all over the place. To me, Jared Vanderbilt is like a poor man's Dennis Rodman. And believe me, I'm not saying that he will have the same career, the same success, the same whatever – as Dennis Rodman, but just the hustle, the tenacity to get after it. I mean, he, it feels like he's always making life uncomfortable for whoever he he's defending or boxing out or, or whatever, just getting it, getting a rebound against even like a simple defensive rebound for the other team. He makes it more difficult for them. Uh, so yeah, it's an interesting question to, um, to wonder where Vanderbilt fits in with the team next year gut uh, let's go with this gut feeling do you think that Vanderbilt is a a member of the squad next year and we'll start with you Chris if you had to pick it right now do you think he's a member of the squad next year I think he is because he's a restricted free agent and I don't think anyone's going to come to him with a you know with a bag that is going to be very impressive Mm -hmm. I think it's going to come down to he's going to take whatever we offer um 
So I think he'll be here on a on a Rosas special deal, which is like three years for next to nothing. Every single year is not guaranteed or something like that, you know. Um, but what's crazy is like next year, I think like as is right now, we have 12 players on contract for next year. We need, you know, three more guys or two more guys to meet league minimum roster size. And I think we have like $1.2 million under the repeater tax. Like we're almost completely taxed out for next year. I think we're like at 135 and I think they're saying it might be like 136 and a half for like to go into the, to the luxury tax. So there's going to be, there's going to be a lot of money moved for anything to happen. So, I mean, it's possible he'll be one of those guys that'll be cut just because, you know, his salary, even if it's at $2 million, $3 million, a super cheap deal just might not fit. Like I, it's, I don't know what's going to happen in the offseason. Rosas is going to get going to have to get pretty inventive. But just straight talent-wise and contract-wise, restricted free agent Jared Vanderbilt, I don't see why he wouldn't be on the team. Like unless some team says we're going to give you eight million or something, which I don't see happening. Mm -hmm. What do you What do you think, Jared? Gut feeling. Do you think he'll be on the squad? Gut feeling is uh, yeah. Um, and and my reasoning goes back to basically nobody plays defense and he does. So I think we're going to find a way to make mm -hmm. the money work. Um, like Chris was saying, I don't think you would see anything over. I would put it in the two to four million range um, if he's going to be here. Someone else offers him more than that, then we're not going to be able to um, match it for right. the most part. But um, it'll be interesting to see what contracts come off the books in a potential. Tr well, they wouldn't come off the books, but. I think we could free up some money um, in, in a trade scenario, um, if I remember correctly. And Chris might have a better idea with this. Not saying that we're necessarily going to make a trade, but um, I think there's ways to beat around it and get to where we need to be. And I think Rosas is thinking about that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so too. I think he's definitely got his mind on the offseason. I think he's liking what, what he's seeing with the Timberwolves, particularly right now. And then uh, his mind towards the offseason. Chris, you got some? So I was kicking this around the other night, just trying to figure out how this would work. And I'm really thinking that, that if we get the first-round pick, which, of course, is a long shot, but if we do, I think it's almost guaranteed that we trade um, Beasley for like a, like a future first. So if, if someone's willing to take the – what is he at 14 or 15 million? If someone's willing, if someone has that cap space, I think it'll be done at the draft so that we don't have to take any money back. And I think we would make that deal for um, a future first, just mainly to free up that money. Cause I don't know if there's any, no one's taking Culver for anything, you know, no one's taking Rubio's money for just a draft pick. I wouldn't think, you know, I don't think someone's got 17 million that they're willing to just eat um, and send us a draft pick. So we're going to have to clear 15 to 20 million somehow if we bring in that rookie. Mm -hmm. So um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. If I had to make a prediction, I would say Beasley's gone for 
you know, protected future first, which looks like just a dump, but whatever. Um, it's not like we're not like we have a lot into them. We picked them up for almost nothing in that trade. And if we get a future first out of it and salary cap space to sign a top three pick, like that's not terrible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's interesting. I think we talked uh, last week kind of about the long-term prospects of, and it was interesting. So like, so obviously I post um, our highlight episodes on the, uh, uh, on the, on the Facebook page. And I, I did a preface of it. Like, is Beasley a part of our long-term plans? Can we afford him? And people like went off on me, like, yeah, we can afford him. He's, he's, a, he's a part of our team right now. I'm like, that's not what I'm saying at all. <laughs> people don't understand. People don't understand. Like, uh, I mean, not to be like snooty, but like a common, like, fan that watches basketball doesn't understand that just because you got a guy signed under contract for a couple of years, it doesn't mean that like you can afford them. Like, cause contracts go up. Like, so like right now is $14 million contract fits. But if next year, you know, a guy like, well, like two years from now, Culver goes from making eight or 4 million to 8 million. That's a big difference. Mm -hmm. So like that will push us out into the luxury tax and somebody's got to leave. And, and the contract thinking or the the future of this team could be as simple as do we get that pick? And if the answer is no, we probably keep Beasley. Exactly. You know, it could be as simple as that. And I and we all talked about last podcast whether you know, like we were talking about whether he's a future piece. And I think all three of us agreed that if he's on the team next year, he probably comes off the bench because there's just not enough room to have four high caliber volume volume shooters or on the court at the same time, you know? Yep. Yeah. So, too, many, too many mouths to feed. Like yeah. if you can, and I, I almost think that D'Angelo Russell coming off the bench was almost like a blueprint for what, I mean, obviously they're different players, but it was almost like a blueprint for what potentially Malik Beasley can be next year coming off the bench with, with the second squad with guys like Nas and, uh, and Wancho, if he's there, and who who knows what Rosas is going to do in the off season, but I almost feel like it was kind of a blueprint. Uh, Speaking, uh, we're talking about players that play right now. Let's talk about a player that's not really playing right now, uh, Jake Lehman. Now he did get some minutes tonight, but obviously that was an anomaly because we were beaten up on a JV team. Uh, so, so I I honestly thought that Lehman before he got the benching was playing pretty well. I mean, he he's a good cutter. He's good at attacking the basket. He can hit some shots from here and there. Um, and we'll start with you, Jared. Why do you think that um, uh, Coach Finch has um, essentially benched Lehman? Do you think he just doesn't fit in, or do you think there's more going on? Um, I think it's just that we're a really deep team. You know, I mean, it's kind of crazy to say that, that, that we have all this depth, but I think that we really do. Um you know, would I would I want to see Layman get minutes over a guy like Wancho or Nas? I mean, probably not. Uh, and I'm a Jake Layman guy. You know, like I want a guy that's athletic and cut and and shoot the three. But I mean, Wancho can do those things too, um, for the most part. And he's a little bit bigger. I mean, I just think it's it's. I mean, I don't think that Layman's one of those guys that I'm so hot and cold with. Like. Like he can get run and look good, and then he can also, you know, get run and, and look bad too. Like at the beginning of the season, I thought he was one of the worst players on our team uh, at the beginning of the year. 
but I think it's just finding the right mold and, and he might just not be a part of it because we have so much depth on our bench to be completely honest. Mm-hmm. Chris, what, what do you think? Why do you think that Lehman isn't playing? I think that's kind of like dead on. I think, I think, uh, I think he's got it. I mean, when, when asked even about Noel, um, at one of the press conferences, no, it was, it was either Noel or, or, or J-Mac. Um, Chris Finch is like, well, you know, I, I, like not getting him in wasn't like my plan. Like it just sometimes, like, it's just, we got a lot of miles to feed. And then when he was talking, oh, that's what it was. He was talking, that was about J-Mac. Then when Noel, when they asked him about him at some point, he's like, yeah, I mean, I'd like to be playing him, but you know, I've got a nice little rotation going right now. And I don't, we don't really, I don't know where he's going to go. Like, where would we put him in? Mm-hmm. You know, we're feeding what? 10, 11 guys a night, like there's not that many more minutes to fit for another guy. So, I the mean, only- could, he, could he be cutting into Wancho's? I'd be fine with that. Could he be cutting into – I mean, yeah, you could pick or choose here or there, but, I mean, Wancho's not getting 30 minutes a game either. So, like, you've got to at least be in the game enough to get a rhythm. So you can't be like, oh, work hard for your four and a half minutes you're playing tonight, you know. So – Mm-hmm. Um, I think like you said, you know, like, like Jared said, it's just a matter of, uh, we don't have an, we have a lot of decent players mm-hmm. and, and no team in the NBA is running 13 deep off their bench. Unless you're the, the Pistons or the, the magic or like OKC. OKC does it too. Yeah. Like the teams that are real bad do it, but like, we're not real bad as, as much as people want to think that we are, we're, we're really not. At, at full strength, we're not. Yeah, mid season, yes, we were. <laughs> like th- there was, there was a, there was a slog through that really. Um, before Carl uh, Anthony, or no, not Carl Anthony. Well, Towns was out, and Edwards wasn't what he was now, and yeah, Dilo so, wasn't playing. Right. Uh, so uh, again, speak. Uh, we're kind of speaking about next year, um, right now, um, and. So a guy that's coming over for the Timberwolves, I uh, was just announced, uh, Leandro Balmero, who was taken with the 23rd pick next year, uh, or le- sorry, last year, um, and I believe acquired in that Ricky Rubio trade, right? He was that Ricky Rubio trade. We got him yeah. in that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so he is um, playing at FC Barcelona right now, but will be coming over next year. I just... And uh, Chris, you could say as much or as little as you want about this. You said you knew a little bit about him. What do you know about Leandro Balmero uh, and how kind of how he'll fit with this team? So all I know is about just some stuff I at the time of the draft I read up on him. Like I'm not going to pretend like I knew about him before the draft. Um, I didn't even see him really on any draft radars. Um, but I know he's – I think he's from Argentina. And I know that um, – or maybe he's playing down there, but I know that Pablo Prigioni, um, who's Argentina, love the guy, and he's got it. He gets a lot of respect around the league. So for him to like stick his head out or neck out, and uh, you know we draft him in the first is pretty important. Um, so back then, it, or back then, what I read was he's about six 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 seven, depending on. You know, who knows, maybe a metric system or not. I don't know what the difference is, but all of his numbers are a little bit skewed. Um, But he's a big guy, uh, and he plays point guard, basically. He's mainly a lead guard or at least a ball-handling, playmaking guard. And 
back then I was seeing he was basically known for his defense, just could defend multiple positions, was just like kind of like an Akogi type where he's just all over the place, like in your face, like going over every cut, like pushing his way through everything, um, getting a lot of steals, getting a lot of deflections. Um, and now I'm seeing a lot of highlights where he's hitting his shot because that was his knock. He didn't have a jumper yet. He's kind of a late bloomer. Um, but, I mean, it'll be interesting to see, you know, a pass-first defensive-minded um, guard that's got, you know, size to defend a one or two, you know, maybe a three and a pinch. Um, sounds like uh, insurance if J-Mac asks for a lot more money than we want to pay him. Um, wouldn't be a bad guy to line up next to an offensive-minded point guard like D'Lo for some time to, you know, some guy who's just going to defend hard and just move the ball around. Um, it's always fun to have these kind of roll-of-the-dice Euro guys that nobody really knows about. You know, I'm, I'm all for it. Could mm -hmm. could that also be the uh, – Could I'll ask you, Chris, because you're, you're good with, with GM stuff, but could, could we cut Lehman – like, is there a way to – I don't know what his contract looks like, but could you swap in Balmero Bal, for Lehman essentially and save some money doing that? Lehman might have like three mil, three and a half mil still guaranteed for next year. I'm not sure. But, um, you know, even, you know, 28th pick, did you say he was? Something like that? 20, 23rd. I mean, he's got to be pulling in. Two million, you know, like that's not a big contract at that that deep in the draft. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's still a pretty cheap deal. So mm -hmm. it'll it'll be fun to see. Like, yeah, I mean, I think I think the fact that there's steam that he's coming over here is really going to, um, you know, see what J Mac is really all about because he's kind of not really on on contract, and he's looked, you know, fine, like. By no means has J-Mac this year been like, man, we need to resign this guy. So, I mean, if he's going to ask for more than this guy's asking for, I would take the the guy, the fresh face, over a guy we've seen for two years and he's just been okay. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, it's, hopefully there's a summer league this year and we see the guy play. I know Jared Culver is going to be in summer league, I heard, so that'll be good. <laughs> uh, so, stats-wise, it isn't necessarily too promising, but I know you mentioned he's a – uh, defensive-minded guy. So right now, he's playing with FC Barcelona. Uh, he's played 28 games, only 2.8 points per game, playing about eight minutes a game. Um, he's shooting 42% uh, from three, but that's not on too many attempts. So I don't know. Eight, eight minutes a game. Like you, if, if a guy's playing like under 20 minutes a game, you might as well just throw the stats out because they don't mean anything, you know, like who right. knows. And he's playing with adults. Like he's playing with he's playing with like, you know, like your uncle. Like he's playing with old dudes. Um, they're gonna beat on him, and they don't give many minutes to these young kids. So they're like those leagues. They don't care about developing youth. Like that's they have no interest in that. You care um, about winning and building the brand. Oh yeah, because they don't like if you're the worst team in that Euro League, you don't get the first draft pick. So like if you're not better like that day. Than the other guy, you're playing. You're not playing. So, it's uh, it's kind of a rough league over there. But he's had some blow up moments where he's dropped, you know, 15, 18 points in a game, and you know, 
I know maybe they play in like lesser cups too, where they play the, the, like the JV guys play. I don't, I don't really know how it works, but he's had some flashes. I've seen some YouTube flashes recently, so we'll see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so let's, let's kind of change course. A question that I'm kind of excited to ask. Um, and it kind of goes back to the whole Jimmy Butler, uh, Carl uh, Anthony Towns uh, thing, where uh, they asked Carl Anthony Towns a question, and Carl or an Ant immediately stepped in for him and answered the question for him. So, what I want to know is, do you guys in your in your mind or in the minds of the team? I guess so you can um, quantify both. Is this becoming uh, Anthony Edwards' team, or do you think this is still Cat's team? Like. Like, has, has the torch been passed yet, or is it still too early? I know in the mind of some fans, definitely, that it's it's Anthony Edwards' teams at this point. But what do you guys think? And we'll start with you, Chris. What do you think? Huh. Um, I would say, I mean, it's still Cat's team, I would say. I mean, most of everything goes through him. You know, all of our plays, you know, start – start usually with him or at least he's involved with it um edwards edwards has you know that that flair you know like he's the guy that will be the vocal leader he's the guy that will be the best in the press conference he's the guy that will speak his mind um so you know like in those types of moments when cats asked a tricky question um Cat's always been the, I mean, until this year, really, but he's always been the really boring by the book, like almost textbook answer to every question type of guy, like um, trying not to make a mistake. So Edwards is more the, you know, speak from his emotions type guy. So I think that kind of, kind of looks that way, but I would say not yet. You can't have a 19 year old kid run the team. Um, I think D'Lo I think D'Lo and Cat are probably more instrumental when you don't see it, like in the locker room, maybe calling guys on the side. They might be leaders like that. Um, it's just one of those things that fans don't get to see, like who's really the leader. You know, it's very possible that it's Ricky Rubio. Like he very well may be the actual leader of this roster. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we need a leader. Like, I don't know if we need, like, that ringleader guy up front. I don't think we have that. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's okay. I think, like, Edwards is going to really vibe with some people. I think Kogi leads a lot of guys. I think Kogi and, like, Vanderbilt and those guys, you know, that bench squad probably gets a lot of hype from each other. Um, and, you know, Edwards and Rubio are tight. You know, like, I, I think it can be kind of sectioned up as long as you're all in the same mission and you all, you know, Finch is pushing the buttons. For sure. Jared, anything to add? What do you think? Who's, do you think uh, it's the dumb team? Or what think, do you think? I think Chris nailed it. Um, I think it's nobody's team um, right now. I think we have three very talented basketball players that are going to be our big three. And I don't think that Cat is going to be the guy to grab the microphone at the press conference. And whoever wants to be the guy to grab the microphone at the press conference, if it's D'Lo and he's like, hey, screw them guys, we just whooped their ass, that's whose team it's going to be. You know, I mean, there's a core nucleus of guys that get along who are all very talented but don't really have that I'm going to 
I'm going to do this to you and you're going to, you're, it's going to happen. Nobody really has that mojo in them. I would say Anthony Edwards has most of the like it factor to be that guy. But again, he's 19 years old. Um, I'd say whoever grabs the microphone at the press conference, uh, that that's whose team it becomes. And we'll know um, probably two weeks in the next season who's, "Quote unquote team this is, um, but mm-hmm. once we're once we're winning, I don't really think it matters whose team it is, and I think we plan on doing a lot of winning next year. So, right, uh, it can be a it can be a, a three man nucleus. Oh, go go ahead, Chris. It's just, I mean, I think a lot of it is just personalities. I mean, if you if you see Cat when he's not, I mean, Cat tries to put on a show sometimes and tries to be you know, alpha sometimes like, and it, and it almost looks comical because it just doesn't fit. Like, it's just not you, you know, cat, like relax. Um, and then you see D'Lo, even in his interviews when he's talking, you know, pretty, pretty uh, aggressive about things, he's slunched over and he's relaxed and he's, you know, half mumbling and he just doesn't have that fire. So, and again, it doesn't mean that's not a leader. You know, it doesn't mean that he's not the leader and he's just soft-spoken in these interviews. Like, um, it's just, I I think from a fan perspective, it's going to be Anthony Edwards' team. But I think from a reality perspective, it's anyone's guess in the locker room who's really the leader. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Jared. I I was just going to say, like, like, look at the Suns. Like, that was Devin Booker's team. And – Chris Paul comes into town. I would say that's Chris Paul's team now, but you know, it, a lot can change quickly. You know, I mean, whoever wants to step up and be the leader is going to step up and be the leader. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's kind of a communal system where um, there's no one really in charge, which is a good thing. Um, I I think they all build each other up and, and build something for the future. So um Let's see. So moving forward here, Timberwolves, like we said, get a huge win tonight. And uh, so something that um, I I know, Chris, you wanted to talk about and we kind of talked about last week. Um, Do you like D'Lo or do you think he's better coming off the bench? Or, I mean, obviously, like I think we said last week, he should be in the starting lineup. But do you think he's better coming off the bench? What do you think, Chris? I think I think the Wolves are better with him off the bench for sure. I don't think I think Rubio's so Rubio's making 17 million and I, I'm going to bring that up because it is important. Um although in reality it isn't he's just a player, but if we have him next year and we have like I said earlier Anthony Edwards bringing the ball up and Rubio not bringing the ball up um it gets to a point where you're where it's like, well, what like what is Rubio's value if he's not initiating the offense, if he's not the guy stirring the drink? Um so with with him stirring the drink, it works a lot better when you've got, you know, all-star Carl Anthony Towns, soon to be all-star Anthony Edwards running, you know, Jaden McDaniels. Um, running the wings, running around Rubio. That that's how you maximize Rubio's value. 
I don't think that Delo's value gets maximized anymore or minimized anymore off the bench. I don't think his game is any less effective when he comes off the bench because he's still going to close. He's still playing 30, 32 minutes a game, the same as he'd be if he started. It's just who he plays with. And I think he really looked good with that second unit, you know, getting them some easy looks and, you know, taking all the pressure off those guys. Like you can't focus on Nas, you know, Nas isn't quite at a point now where he's going to be taking on double teams and drop stepping and dunking on people very often. Like he's not that guy, but if you have to sing, if you have to man up on him with your second string center, he's going to abuse that guy. And you're manning up because you can't leave D'Lo. But if Rubio's out there, you can, you know, get in Nas's lap a little bit and mess it up. So I think for the Timberwolves, we're much better with D'Lo off the bench. Um, and I'm starting to think we're getting to the point where we're, we might end up keeping Rubio next year. I don't know. I don't see how that works financially, but I just feel like just the way that I hear people talking like in interviews and stuff and Rubio talking about next year and guys talking about him in the next year terms seems like he's going to be here. And I, and it's, it'll be like a, I don't know. I mean, we brought KG back for about nine, nine, 10 million and he played eight minutes a game you know, and was supposed to be a leader, turned out to be kind of a headache with the fighting with the owner stuff. But maybe it'll be like a, a hyper version of that where Rubio is mainly just a leader. He's getting paid $17 million and he just plays, you know, 15, 16 minutes a game. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how we make this work. But right now I would say Delo's better off the bench. Jared, what do you think? Uh, I don't – I think Deal is better as a starter. Um, I don't like Chris was saying it doesn't really matter a whole lot because the minutes are what matter and the minutes aren't going to change. <clears throat> but I would be very surprised to see Rubio on this team at 17 million um, next season. There's just there's no value in his contract on this team if he's not going to be a superior role, and I don't think he can be with the roster that we have. So that's where it gets kind of murky. I would be surprised to see Rubio on the roster next year. Um, I know that he's very well liked in the locker room. And like Chris was saying, he's a a leader and mentor and all this and that, but the contract is, is, is just too much for this team financially. It'll be interesting. Like, like Chris was saying, um, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer, but I I would be very surprised to see Rubio on our roster come opening day. Yeah, I, I, hope, I, I, I hope we can. Go ahead, Chris. I hope we can move him. I just don't know what that tra- – I just can't see what that trade would look like right now. And and to be fair, I think that Rubio has been playing a lot better lately. I mean, his offense is starting to come around. Yes, I did see him airball a three tonight, but still <laughs> he's making the occasional three. He's uh, he could get to the basket. I saw him get to the basket a couple times tonight and do that thing where he just kind of dribbles through and then off balance puts up the layup. And yeah, so I don't know. I, I, I am inclined to like Rubio. I liked him in his first round around uh, around here. I think he got too much flack for the whole uh, not being Steph Curry kind of thing. Um, but 
Yeah, no, I like Rubio. So, and like I said, he feels like a good leader. So, yeah, yeah, maybe that's uh, maybe it's going to be interesting to see what Rosas does with this uh, roster going forward. So, should we get to my random question of the week now? Oh, you know it. Let's All right. So I so I kind of prefaced this in the chat a couple of days ago, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Is this the most excited you've ever been about a Minnesota Timberwolves team ever? Um, Let's say since since the KG days, or maybe even more than the KG days. Is this the most excited about the potential for the future of the Timberwolves ever? And we'll start with you, Jared. Uh, Yes. Uh, The last time I was this excited about the Timberwolves' future – wasn't it wasn't even a future at the time it was game three at target center when we had jimmy butler and that's because we were in the playoffs like it's it's been a long time coming for wolves fans to see some success and i think we're going to see it next year and i've been waiting for a very long time to see it so short answer yeah uh this team is the team is going to be good next year and i'm going to keep saying it um i'm going to talk it into reality I'm telling you, we're we're gonna be anywhere from a five to a seven seed next no, season. No, 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 no. You five hold, yeah, <laughs> hold strong with five. <laughs> yes, say it. You put up the five. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Uh so Chris, I I know the answer is kind of spoiled in the chat, but is this the most exciting you've ever been about a Wolves team? Well, I mean, I've been thinking about it since. Um <laughs> I don't know, like so. I'm a I'm a team building future type of that's how I look at teams and that's how I get excited about teams. So mm-hmm. the most excited I I remember being very very excited when it was Rubio, Levine, Wiggins, Cat, and we had the fifth pick, which I thought was going to be Jamal Murray, or maybe it was six, but I was sure it was going to be Jamal Murray, which was really exciting to me. But then we got Thibodeau. And that really killed it for me, even before he started messing everything up in my mind. And then even after that, when I thought the Dunn trade was terrible, and then we had another chance at another top 10 pick to add to that much talent. I was like, how can we have, you know, Levine, Wiggins, Cat, and two top 10 picks? Like, this is so exciting. Like, if Dunn turns out to be something that, I didn't think he could pass. I thought he was tra- bad. I thought he was going to be a bad player. Um, but I'm like, well, maybe I'm wrong. You know, and maybe he is this, you know, top five talent that people said he was. And if he turns into that and we've got another seven pick, like, holy cow. So yeah. that was exciting to me. But there's so much. I mean, I would say Delo is better than any of those players other than Cat at the time. And – Edwards is better than any of those players, Levine, you know, Wiggins, other than Cat. So yeah, right now, I mean, we've got we've got three, we've got the best three we've ever had, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe KG, Cassell, and Sprewell, but they were so like Cassell and Sprewell were so done. Like that was never a team that I was very excited for. Like, is like cool, you'll have a run here, but like. I've always been wanting to be the Spurs. Like, give me a 15-year run at at excellence. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we get – I'll tell you what. I'll tell you on Lotto Day. 
if we get that top one of those top, that top three pick, the answer is yes. This is the most exciting I've ever been. But just the fact that we have a GM that has a mindset and a mission and goals and works hard to get that has me probably more excited than I've ever been. Because mm-hmm. I trust him. Yeah, absolutely. And personally for me, like, I don't know. So at the age I'm at when, like, Cassell and, um, like you were saying, Spreewell were there, I was excited about it, but I, I didn't have the level of fandom I was now. It was just like, you oh, were six I mean, or seven? Yeah, something. Uh, I was. Mm, I was probably like eight or something. <laughs> I, I was just a rube back then. Like I, yeah. I, I, I didn't like. I couldn't like analyze anything and be like, oh, look at what, look at what the future we have coming up. It's just like, yay, well, I'm at a game. It's fun. Yeah. Um, but, but so yeah, I think now I will say I got super excited, and I know this was Chris's job, jumping off point. When we got Jimmy Butler, I was pretty excited. Like I thought this is going to be a long-term thing. I, I thought we were going to be a perennial playoff team for seasons to come, and I got really into that season with like Teague and Butler and Towns and Wiggins and stuff like that. Obviously, Taj Gibson. Taj Gibson, yeah, like that was that was my squad. But yeah, I would absolutely say this is the most excited I've been in a long time. And I think a lot of it stems from, first of all, I mean, Anthony Edwards. I mean, like, it was one thing when we when we drafted Cat, and you know Cat's going to be, is going to always be good, and you know. But just to have someone around Cat like Anthony Edwards and like D'Angelo Russell who can take the pressure off of him and, and, and win some games. I mean, we're, we're seeing it now. We're, we're seeing at the end of the season, when we're at full strength, we are absolutely something to be reckoned with. So, yeah, this is probably the most excited I've been about the Wolves. Also, it's the first time I've ever done a Wolves podcast. So, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, every, every week I get to talk about whether it was a good week, whether it was a bad week, and just, like, being able to potentially talk about a winner pretty soon here. I'm pretty excited. Jared, what you got? I'm going to give you the most bizarre comparison you're ever going to hear in your entire life. I'm um, ready for it. But this is this is what I see when I see Rosas. This is how much I trust Rosas and his process and what he's doing and how hard he works. Rosas is like Elon Musk to me. Like the dude works all the time. You know, he works 16-hour days, super humble, and just – is a guy you can put your faith in. And that's who Rosas is to me in terms of basketball. Like just a smart guy who knows what he's doing and works out. And yeah, you know, like how could we not be excited to have that in our office? Right. Is he, yeah. he should host SNL next week? <laughs> Rosas would kill it. He Rosas wouldn't be quite as awkward. <laughs> yeah. was, was Elon, I didn't see it. Was Elon awkward? Was it? It was weird, but it was the first time I watched it in 10 years. But So, I don't know. I mean, not to get completely off the vibe, but I've no, listened man. to quite a few, uh, a handful of Elon Musk's interviews, and mm-hmm. he's just a weird guy. I mean, most people that are geniuses, their brains don't work at the same wavelength as ours. So when we are, you know, when we're consuming what they're saying, it looks very awkward to us because – they're they're just built different and he's just built different every time i've ever seen him talk i've come away thinking oh yeah that guy's a different species than me 
You know, like, <laughs> it, it, you know, it's just, that's, he's just a different type of creature. And, and that's, uh, that's how Osas is, my man. I'm telling you, like, he's yeah. got that, that, that in him, in a way, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I hope it works. I'm excited for it. Yep. All right. So let's look at the week ahead. Uh, another very winnable game coming up um, uh, against the Detroit Pistons on Tuesday, then Thursday against the Nuggets. Uh, then we got the Celtics. And then we're going to put a bow on the season on Sunday. Uh, so we don't, one. So, guys, only one more week of Wolves basketball coming your way, which is crazy to think about. The crazy season that we've had, but only one more week. We only got uh, eight days or seven days left, but um, and then we, we finish up with the Mavericks. Uh, so what I was thinking, you guys, is next week we kind of do like a, a wrap-up podcast, um, and then uh, the rest of the time we can kind of talk about the NBA playoffs and stuff like that. And, yeah. That'll be, that'll be fun for a lot of people that follow the league around. We'll do a little bit of a prelude into the playoffs probably yep. next week as well. Um, yeah, we'll talk playoffs for a little bit and do some predictions, and we'll have some fun with it. So make sure you're here to check it out. Absolutely. And so, Chris, thanks so much for being here again. Yeah, thank you. I see one win next week. Um, let's hope that's all it is. <laughs> for sure. For sure. And, uh, Jared, thanks so much for being here. As always, um, I see that we can beat any team that we play right now, except for the Clippers because they always beat us. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm gonna give us a loss to the Nuggets, but I think the other three are winnable. For sure. I hope we yeah. don't because it might it might backfire against us if we start winning. But but I will we'll say, I will say this: kudos to the Knicks. They just beat the Clippers today. I saw uh, that. Derrick Rose is oh man, I love watching Derrick Rose. I. I hope he wins another MVP. <laughs> like, I know it's not going to happen. 25 off the bench, I think, in like three out of the last six games or something like that. He's been playing really good. So, it's like, I've, like I've said in the past, I want nothing but good things for Derrick Rose. Like, he's honestly one of my favorite players. Well, that's going to do it for t- today's episode. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, make sure to like, share, and subscribe on Facebook and follow us on or follow us on spotify so you never miss an episode this has been the everything's coming up timberwolves podcast and as always go wolves what if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation where it's not about mission statements but a shared mission at u.s customs and border protection we go beyond to protect more than borders from ship to shore air to ground Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.